0: Good morning. My name is Mikey. I'm the associate pastor here. And uh, I just want to say we're, we're so excited. We're so glad that you are here today. It is the first day of summer officially, first day, first Sunday of summer officially. Yes. Whoop, whoop, whoop. All right. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm pumped about it. I love uh, summer. I love uh, the idea of summer and the, the, the weather. I haven't always um, Morgan and I uh, moved here about six years ago from um, the armpit of the country called Houston. I'm just kidding. Um, it is. It really, it's bad. It's hot there. It's, it's humid. Like you walk outside. I was just talking to someone. You walk outside, you feel like you just walked into someone's mouth. It's terrible. Like it's like, yeah, go Houston. No, um, but... Um, But I love and So growing up, I always hated, I always dreaded summer because I was a sweater. Uh, I sweat a lot. And so summertime would come around and it would be 130 degrees and everything. And I I just, I just did not like it. I didn't, I don't like being hot. I don't. But since moving to Asheville, I was like, you know what? I actually really, I'm really looking forward to summer this year. I'm really looking forward to like seeing like Things come to life again in Houston. Things just die because they're being torched by the sun. But here, they come to life. Like you see, green show up on like trees, um, grass come up out of the ground. And um, Morgan and I um, recently moved into a new place and. A new home and um, it's been, we've loved it. It's been amazing and getting to sit outside and um, we, we, we were looking at the house. It was just this outdoors look like it's just kind of overrun by like leaves and dead things. Like that's how it was. Um, and I got out there and I started like chopping stuff. It looked like me in a little salad, little, little Mikey in a big salad, like chopping things up and grass flying everywhere. It's kind of how it felt. And I was removing all the leaves just to say, man, I can't wait to see what's under this. I can't wait to see what we have here. And I don't know if you've heard that country song. It's uh, called Buy Dirt. And uh, I did that exactly. I bought a land of dirt. There was no grass anywhere. It's fine. I'm over it. I'm healing. But um, we did start growing grass, and so as we kind of cleared out some of these leaves, we cleared out some of the dead things. Um, what's been really, really cool, what's been really, really exciting is is that we're seeing things pop up that we never knew was there. Um, obviously, this is our first year there, and uh, some some good friends of us told they told us, hey, before you get in there and just start chopping everything down, wait to see what things look like when they come into bloom. Uh, wait to see what kind of comes out of the ground that you don't know is there, and and that exactly happened. Like we cleared out the front flower bed and now we've got these plants that have like these beautiful flowers. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. I don't know if it's a, a really pretty weed or what it is, but it's, it's we like it. And so we're going to keep it and it's great. And, and we're excited about it. And I was thinking about that and I was thinking about that for my own life. And I was thinking that sometimes that's our spiritual life. I just jumped right in, so here we go. But I just, sometimes I feel like that's our spiritual life, that, that we go through a season of winter. We go through a season of waiting, or we go in a season of, of what seems like dryness or deadness. And then on the other side of it, what happens is that things start popping up that you didn't even know was there. You start seeing some areas that God's like, hey, Mikey, I'm actually growing you in this area, and this, this flower now that's here that you had no idea, it's beautiful, like it's amazing. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even know I needed that. And I love the Summer at the Gathering series because it's not really like a series of like, hey, we're going to talk about this one topic all summer long. But instead, it's um, as we kind of hear and we're being taught, we're just kind of doing standalone messages. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to share a couple of one of those flowers that has popped up in my spiritual life over the past year. And it's one of those things that I didn't expect and I didn't know. And so what I want to talk about this morning— Is prayer. I know, it's shocking. We're at church and we're talking about prayer. I get it. Um, But what I want to talk about this morning is not just prayer, but the problem with prayer. The problem with prayer. And this is the the thought that I want to um, kind of work from, is this. The problem with prayer is when the purpose of our prayer is only for the answer to our prayers and not connection or closeness to the one answering our prayers. I want to read that again. This is where we're going to be all morning. Is this idea that the problem with prayer is when the purpose of our prayers are only for the answer to our prayers and not to the, for the connection or the closeness to the one that is answering our prayers. There's a verse in Matthew, Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23. It's Jesus and he's saying this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? Do not, did we not do many works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. One of the scariest verses in all the Bible, honestly. Because think about this. Think about what he's saying. He's, he's speaking to a crowd. My head, my earpiece is falling off. He's speaking to a crowd and he's saying to them, now understand, he's saying, look at me. He's saying, not everyone that says Lord, Lord, not everyone that, that, that comes to church, not everyone that even miraculous things happen through you. Even those that the prayers that we've been praying and pleading God for, even those that we, we get a yes from God, even you, he's saying, I never knew you. So there's more to this idea of prayer than just the answer. It reminds me of Christmas of 2001. Let's all rewind. There's a handful of us that were not born. (laughs) Makes me feel old. But 2001, Christmas of 2001. Now let's picture Mikey. He has hair. Spiked hair, uh, you know, I, I, I went all boy band. Um, so I had spiked hair, frosted tips, um, puka shells, um, and then also a rain catcher hat. Anybody know what that is? That's where you have the visor, but it's upside down and turned backwards. That was me. Um, full out boy band, which reminds me that I love um, seeing kind of new trends come back. And I've seen puka shells on um, the youngins. Is that what we call them? Chillin' chillin'. Anyways, I've seen puka shells. I've seen frosted tips. I want to know where the rain catchers are. Why are we not seeing these visors come back? And I don't know. That's just a hope that I have for the future. But t- 2001, Mikey, sophomore in high school, um, I, um, my parents, what they would do every year is they would send out a, a wish list. They'd send out your Christmas list. They're like, hey, boys, fill this out. And every year, I had the same three things uh, every year never failed. First one was I want my own room. Uh, that never happened. Still hasn't happened. Morgan's in my room, but it's fine. I'm, I'm happy with it. It's fine. <laughs> Healing. The second one is, is I always want a katana sword. You know what that is? Like a ninja sword. Awesome. I don't know why my parents didn't give 15-year-old me one. Um, still haven't gotten one of those, but it's fine. And then I, the third thing was, is I wanted this new device that was weird that some of my friends had called a cell phone. Um, that's kind of what I wanted. Those were the three things. And this year, I was like, you know what? Forget that. I'm not. I'm not doing that. That's never worked. It's 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 not worked. So I'm going to put all my eggs into one basket. I, I started playing a, a new position in baseball, and I was the catcher. Um, I was the best position, the most fun, and and I wanted this new glove. There's a new glove, new catcher's mitt. Um, a guy named by the name of Ivan Rodriguez, the best catcher. Um, Worst team. But anyways, he, he played and I wanted his glove. And so I was like, okay, mom, dad, this is what I want. I want um, this catcher's mitt. It's black. It's got these cool, like, it's, it's awesome. Like, I know it's expensive, but this is all I want. This is the big thing. And Christmas morning comes around. and So for weeks and weeks and weeks, I am asking and pleading and saying, I really, really, I just need this glove. It will make everything better. I'll be the best catcher in the world if you get me this glove, right? Or whatever. And so Christmas morning comes around. And I get there and I'm opening presents and I'm like, oh, cool pair of socks, Um, underwear, cool, shirt, great. And then my parents from behind, I don't know where it was, but behind the tree, they pull out this weird box. And I'm like, ooh, maybe I open it up and lo and behold, there's the glove. And I'm like, yes, I got the glove. This is awesome. It's, it's amazing. I put it on. I feel like a professional catcher. I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, fast forward a couple weeks, my parents are like, hey, how's the glove going? And I'm like, oh, it's great. I think it's, I, I, I think it's in my, my bag somewhere. I don't know where it is. It's somewhere over there. And I think sometimes this is our prayer life, right? Is that when the problem with prayer is that when the answer to that prayer is the priority, that we miss out on Jesus because if he says yes sometimes what happens is that i came back and i was like well parents i now i need new now i need shin guards and now i need a bat now i need a car now i need this i need that i need and my our prayer life becomes something that it was never intended to be And my hope for us this morning, my prayer for us this morning is is that that we pray and we plead and we ask God for him to break through and we ask him for things, but in the midst of getting those things, we don't miss out on Jesus. We don't miss out on that closeness to him. There's a verse in um, Luke, Luke 17, verse 11 through 19, it says this. It's, Jesus, it's speaking of Jesus, and he says that Jesus, on his way to Jerusalem, he's passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their eyes, saying, "Jesus, Master, have mercy on us." And when he saw them, he said to them, "Go and show yourselves to the priest." And as they went, they were cleansed. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was not one, was not, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And so we think about this story and we think about this reality that, that there are these 10 men that have a leprosy. Leprosy is a skin disease where it's decaying skin and, and it's so dangerous and it's so bad that, that they, what they had to do is they had to take these men and put them outside of the city in their own community away from people to protect these people but to keep them at a safe distance. And Jesus is walking along town. He's walking to another town. And these men come and stand at a distance knowing that, that them being too close is going to be dangerous. And, and they, but they plead and they cry and they say, Jesus, master, save us, rescue us, heal us. And he says, yes. And he says, okay, I will. And then what happens is that they kind of go on their way. They move along and they miss Jesus. Only one actually turned around and came back was close to Jesus. And I think that's heartbreaking and that's, that's devastating to us. And I think that the enemy sometimes will try to convince us that, that what we do is we pray and we ask and if God says yes, then great, we're all in. If he says no, then let's, let's doubt. Or if he says wait, let's doubt. And I'm telling you this to say that Morgan and I have been in a season the past year of probably the hardest season of our life. And I say that as knowing that me standing up here as a pastor, I just want to make sure you know that it isn't between Morgan and I. Morgan and I are great. But out external things, that it's been the hardest year of our life. And it's been devastating to sit and plead with God and plead with Jesus, say, Jesus, I need you to break through. I need you to move in this way. And for him to, what sometimes feels like a no and sometimes feels like a wait, And I sit there and I'm like, God, what are we doing? What are you doing? And that's where this flower pops up in my life that I never expected. I've been a Christian for a long time. I've been a pastor for a long time and I've never just, and this flower pops up of the prayer, the problem with prayer is that when prayer is about the answer and not about the one that gives the answer, we miss out on all. That even if you get what you're praying for, even if you get what you're pleading for, if you miss Jesus in it, then you miss it. And that was a hard lesson. Because if it's about the, if it's about the answer, if it's about the answer, then I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go to Ch- Let's go to Mark. <laughs> Continuing this in. Mark, more of the stories, more, more, more just showing where we're at. Mark 8 is this chapter that—actually, uh, the whole book of Mark, leading up to chapter 8, is, is this story. It's I love it because Mark is like a snapshot. If you ever want to read um, one of the Gospels, go with Mark. It's the shortest, but it kind of gets all the stories in there. Um, but what it's uh, what chapters 1 through 8 is showing you is it's, uh, it's talking you through. It's just explaining, hey, this is what Jesus has been doing. He's walking with his disciples. He calls his disciples. He teaches um, people about fasting. Um, chapter 1, he heals so many people in chapter 1 that that the title of one of the chapters is just Jesus Heals Many. Um, they just were lazy with their titling. It's fine. But they, it, 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 this book kind of goes through like all of these miraculous things that have happened. It goes through Jesus feeding 5,000 men um, what would equal to probably about 10,000 people. Um, it, it talks about Jesus healing a man's withered hand. It talks about leprosy, healing the deaf, walking on water, all of these things. And then it gets to chapter eight. And it's shocking because chapter 8, verse 1, again, Jesus is preaching to this group again. He's pre- teaching to 4,000 men is what it says. Again, probably with women and children included, probably closer to 8,000, 10,000 people. And he's teaching these people for, for days. He's teaching them. This is the second time that it's, he's done this just a few chapters before he fed the 5,000 and now he's doing it again and his disciples come to him again and say, hey, Jesus, we got to get these people out of here. It's been three days. They're getting hungry and we have nothing to feed them with. And Jesus, what does Jesus say? He says, what do you have? Okay, you've got some loaves. You've got some fish. Great. This will work. And Jesus, and Jesus again, miraculously heals thousands and thousands and thousands of people to the point where they're collecting baskets full of leftovers at the end. And we pick up in verse 11. And the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, speaking of Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them got into the boat and went to the other side. What's happening is that these Pharisees are not just showing up on the scene for the first time and be like, who is this guy? Prove yourself. No, this is the Pharisees who have been traveling along with Jesus every step of the way, seeing him move, seeing him act, seeing him do the miraculous. And then they're saying, not enough. Not enough, I need to see one more thing. Not enough, I need you to do one more thing for me. Not enough, I need you to answer one more prayer for me before I'll believe And Jesus speaks to his disciples and he's saying, Now they had forgotten to bring bread. Whose job was that? Um, And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, talking to his disciples now, he's saying, Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Have your eyes, having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketful of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he says, and you still, Do you still not understand? Jesus is trying to teach his disciples this message that it's not about me coming through. It's not about me giving you the yes. It's not about me breaking through. It's not about the miraculous. It's about the closeness to me. He's saying, I've been walking with you for eight chapters now. I've been walking with you through eight chapters through the entire city providing, giving, healing, doing all the things that, you, that people have wanted and needed. And now we get into a position to where you have no bread and you think that's what I'm talking about? The idea of leaven is the idea that it's, it's almost like a yeast inside this bread. And, and it's kind of the, what's inside of it that makes it rise up. And the New Testament speaks of leaven in a number of different places. But really what they're talking about is it's kind of a, an analogy of like the teachings or the beliefs or the, the understanding that the Pharisees have is what he's trying to say. He's trying to say, don't fall into the trap of, of having the same understanding or having the same belief that the Pharisees have, which means that the Pharisees are saying, if it's a yes, then I'm in. If it's a no, then I'm out. And he's saying, no, 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 don't fall into that. Because if our prayers, another quote for us is, if our prayers are only about the answer, then the answer dictates our faith and belief in the one who gives the answer. If our prayers are only about the answer, then the answer dictates our faith and belief in the one who gives the answer. Meaning, that if we're praying and our prayers are 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 really about the answer, they're about the the about the breakthrough, they're about the provision, then how and we miss out on Jesus? How dangerous is that? Because then what happens is what happens if he says yes? If he says yes, then that's great. And we rejoice. We rejoice, and we're like, "Yes, I'm, ex- I'm. I'm so excited." He broke through. He brought. He brought that person into my life. He brought this job into my life. He provided in this area. He. He did. He healed this person, and it's amazing. But what if he says no? What if he says no, and and then it becomes like, "Oh, I'm angry at God now. I'm, I'm frustrated. I don't understand. I don't think." It, and I, and can I be honest? I'm a pastor, and I'm in, I'm in this season. I was in a season like this to where I felt like it was a no from God or it was a wait from God. And can I be honest, my response, because I was held up so heavily in this, in this uh, the answer is the, the priority, I was so wrapped up in it that I got real angry with God. And I looked at him and I said, God, I don't agree with what you're saying. I don't agree with the way you're doing it. I don't even know if you're real. And God's saying it's not about the answer it's about the closeness to me. We could get a yes. Can I tell you this? That there is no yes to any prayer that will satisfy us forever. That we could get the, we could get the thing or not get the thing or heal this or do that or whatever. There is, a, there is no yes that could satisfy our souls forever. There's also not a no that will destroy us either. And that was something that I had to learn. That there is some, there are some no's that don't get me wrong. They hurt like hell. And they are, they are, they are terrible. And, 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 and God's, and Jesus is, his heart is not that, I'm, I'm going to teach him a lesson with this no. No, 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 that's not what he's saying. He's saying, I'm going to sit in this brokenness with him because they're in a broken world. And unfortunately, we, we, re- we live in a broken world and it's not the way Jesus intended. It's not the way Jesus wanted. It's not what he wanted. But the no, there are no's that happen that hurt so deeply. And my fear is, is that when we get those, we turn our back on God instead of pulling them in close. Because the purpose of our prayers, the purpose of our pleading with Jesus is not to get the answer, but it's to get him. It's to get him. It's to get closer and more, more, more secure with him. What we need more than the answer to our prayers is the closeness to the one, again, that gives the answers to our prayers. If we get a yes we miss Jesus, we miss it all. If we get a no, we turn our back on Jesus. We miss it all. Again, this is a a season that Morgan and I have been walking through of just a no or a wait, and it's been painful. And it's been painful to just say, okay, God, I, I don't know what to do. I don't, and and maybe, maybe in this room here, I I know that they're in this room here. There is pain and there are, there are prayers that have been unanswered. There is a waiting season that you are in right now. There's a a season that you may be coming out of that, that is, is, has been painful. And I got, I want to let you know that, that Jesus knows this. He's aware of this. He's with you in this. He's not, he's not just, I don't know, it's just, He's with us. And so there's three things. There's three ways that that I feel like as we've as I've kind of gone through this, that I've had to do to, to help me uh, be reminded that that the purpose of prayer is, is is closeness to Jesus and not just the answer. And and it's hard. And, and and so what do we do in the seasons that so what do we do in the seasons that we feel like are dark seasons? that are those winter seasons that we feel like we're getting a no or we're getting a wait or we're just not, we just have no unanswered prayer. What are some things that we can do in the midst of that? And the first one is this. The first is this. Know you're not alone. Know that you're not alone. It's one of those things that It's so hard to be reminded of. It's so hard to, that when we're going through a a dark season, when we're going through a waiting season, we're going through a season that feels like it's just a no from God. It feels like we're alone. It feels like we're all alone and we got to deal with this on our own. Nobody can understand. Nobody could even empathize with us. And that might be true, but that doesn't mean you're alone. That what the enemy actually wants to do is to isolate you to the point where he could destroy you. It is not wrong or bad or, or uh, sinful to have a season of, of just being, having doubt towards God. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not wrong or sinful to doubt God or to have a season to where you're like, you know what, God, I'm kind of, I'm just angry with you. I'm angry with you. The sinful part comes when we isolate ourselves in it because the isolation is what kills us. You are not alone. We are not, you're not alone in this church. That if you're in one of these seasons that is a waiting season or a no season, and it just a, feels like a winter season, can I tell you that you're not alone? That you, there is help available that, that we believe uh, as a staff, uh, Morgan and I believe as a family, that counseling is, is huge. We know that we have to get, we have, we have to, and we'll continue to get just professional counseling. And meet with a counselor that's saying, okay, let's work through some of this together. Let's work through some of these emotions. Let's work through some of this, this struggle and this pain. And, this, and, and we, f- we found a Christian counselor that's saying, hey, let's walk through this together. There's a community that there is a community of people here that are saying, hey, we may not understand. We may not understand the exact pain or struggle or frustration or anger that you're going through. But we're here to listen. We're here to be a part. We're here to just to kind of give you a shoulder to cry on. That's sometimes all we need is we need someone or something, someone that, that is just available to just cry on. John Mark talked about uh, briefly last week about the idea of like spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. That we, we, you're not alone. You can find a mentor. Find someone in your life that's a couple steps ahead of you. Find someone in your life that, that, that just may, again, may not have gone through everything you've gone through, but maybe they've gone through life enough to say, hey, you know what, what I need to do right now is just shut up and listen. Find a spiritual father, find a spiritual mother in this room. And it's not easy. It's not an easy thing. And I challenge uh, the, the spiritual fathers and mothers in this room. To say, hey, there's always some people in our lives that we could, we could reach out to and begin to say, hey, I want to just start, let's get coffee, let's, let's meet, let's get breakfast, let's get lunch, let's just hang out, let's just talk, let's be around each other. And maybe that's you, maybe you're on the other side saying, hey, I've been through life and I want to kind of help. I would, I would encourage you, I plead with you to say, hey, pray with the Holy pray to the Holy Spirit and say, reveal to me some people, so reveal to me some pers- a person that I could help or I could just be a spiritual father or mother too. But we've got to know that we are not alone. Even the Bible shows us that we're not alone. Throughout the whole Bible, there's over and over and over, we see that that there are men and women and and, and cities and nations that, that are in these seasons as well. You look at, there's a book called Lamentations, Lamentations, the whole book is, this, uh, is, is Jeremiah, who is a prophet, who is just pull, crying out with a broken heart and a broken person, just crying out in anger and, and brutal honesty to God, saying, God, I do not agree with where we're at. I do not agree with what you're doing. And it's just this whole book of him lamenting. Even in, even in Psalms, one of, you know, we love Psalms. Psalms are great. They are. <laughs> that wasn't a trick question. They are great. But... But even in the book of Psalms, we see David and the other writers, like over a third of the Psalms are, are lamenting or, or uh, frustrations or da- anger. It's like over and over we read in there where it's like, David's like, why are you downcast my soul? And God, whatever, you know, so it's like it's over and over. Like we see it throughout scriptures. And so rest assured today that if you're in this place to where you're just questioning or you have doubts or you you have anger or you have whatever the feeling, just brokenness. You're not alone. We're here. I'm here. I'm, I'm a pastor and I've been doing, I've been going through this. You're not alone. Reach out. Find someone. The second thing is this. Second one is be honest with Jesus. Be honest with Jesus. And that's real, real real churchy terms. I get it. But it's so good. Be honest with Jesus. What I mean is is that if, if you're angry with God, be angry with God. If you're angry, if you if you're if you're hurt, if you're hurt by Jesus, be hurt with him. If you're hopeless, be hopeless. If you're depressed, be depressed with him. Allow him in. Be brutally honest with him. Be brutally honest with Jesus and say, Jesus, here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm going through. Again, we were talking about Je- Jeremiah. I love it in Jeremiah. Jeremiah in Lamentations 3. This is a prophet of God. Crying out and praying to, to God. And this is what he says. This is honesty. It's, he says, I am the man who has seen affliction. Under the rod of his wrath, he has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. And surely against me, he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. And he has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness In tribulation, he has made me dwell in the darkness like the dead of long ago. And he has walled me about so that I cannot escape. And he has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He has made my paths crooked. This is a prophet of God in the Bible, in Scripture, crying out to God and being real honest. Being brutally honest with, this, with God and saying, God, here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm, here's what I'm going through. I'm hurting. I'm, I'm broken. I am in pain. Our counselor told Morgan and I one time when talking about depression... That one of, the, that usually when you're in the middle of depression, usually the thing that will help you get out of depression is the exact thing you don't want to do. And I think sometimes for us it's prayer. And it's not because, you know, we, we don't believe prayer works or not. It's that, it's that we just don't, we don't want to lie anymore. Have you ever felt like that? you ever felt like where, where you get into, you know, for me, it's like, i, I just like, I don't want to pray anymore. And it's not because of this or that. It's because I just don't want to lie anymore. I don't want to have to go in and act like, oh, uh, Hail Mary, you know, whatever. I, I don't want to do that. I want to go in. I want to be brutally honest with Jesus. I want to be real with him. I'm angry. I don't want to pray. I want to yell and I want to scream. And I want to just, and, and what I'm saying is, is that do that. You're, well, you're, you're able to do that take off your church clothes, take off your church mask and say, okay, God, here's where I really am. Here's what I'm really going through. Here's, here's the brokenness. Here's, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's, here's the parts that I'm angry at you about. Here's the parts where I don't know if you're actually even real or powerful or trustworthy enough to do. And so I need you to, to know that. I need you to be honest. I need to be honest with you. Second thing is, is be honest with God. Be honest that it's not just a sweet cookie cutter prayer, but it's brutal honesty. The last thing is this: choose to believe Jesus is good. You know, as we're going through this season. The way I got through was reminding myself that I'm not alone and that I got around some guys in my life that without them, I I don't know what would have happened. I got honest with Jesus. I got honest with him in my prayers. I got honest with him in my my frustrations and in my anger, I got honest with him. And then the last one is, is to choose that Jesus is good. Choose that Jesus is good. God gave us this incredible, powerful thing called choice. And I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy when you're in the middle of this season, when you're in the middle of this broken-hearted, gut-wrenching season to choose that He's good. I love how Jeremiah does it in Lamentations. Again, chapter 3, verse 16, he says, He's crying out. He's saying, he, may, he has made my teeth grind on gravel. It made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. And so I say, my endurance has perished. And so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and it's bowed down within me. He's continuing to be honest. But then it comes to chapter, verse 21. It says this, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. Says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. It is good that one who should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord choose to believe that Jesus is good. We have that ability to choose that He's good, and I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy to, in the midst of remembering that when my prayer is a yes, Jesus is good. That when my prayer is a no, Jesus is still good. When my prayer is a wait, Jesus is still good. And that that is the choice that we have as his sons and daughters. That we can choose to believe he's good. And I know that's not easy. There's many ways to do it, to choose, and maybe it's... Maybe it's making notes of yourself or reminding yourself of scriptures or this or that. But one way that I've had to do it is this, is that there's two commands in scripture that show up more than any other. The first one is, is do not be afraid. And the second one is, is to remember. But those were the two commandments that that came up more than anything else. Don't be afraid and Remember. And so one way that I've been choosing to believe he's good is by remembering what he's already done. That my prayer is not about the answer. My prayer is not about getting a yes or a no but my prayer is about getting closer and closer and closer to him so that even if it is a yes then I still have him and even if it's a no I still have him and it doesn't matter what the circumstances are I can still say I've got him. And so we remember, what do we remember? We remember what he's already done. When I get that no or I get that wait, I remember, okay, God, I hate what's going on here. I'm gonna be honest with you there. I hate what's going on. I'm angry at that. I don't like this. I don't like the decision that you've made. I don't like the way that it looks, but I'm I'm, I'm gonna choose to remember there was a 21-year-old Mikey one day. That was broken and hopeless and wandering and, and on the path of destruction that would absolutely destroy my life. And for whatever reason, whatever, whatever purpose, the Holy Spirit swept in and rescued me. I'll remember that. I'll remember that, that I was doomed for hell and then you stepped in and rescued me. I'll remember that, that, that there was a, a student event that I went to, that I was a part of a leadership team of, and I got there and I'll remember that I looked up on the stage and I saw the most beautiful woman in the world leading worship in a way that I've never experienced in my entire life. And immediately I was like, she's the one. And a few years later, I got married to her. I'll remember that, that he is good even when things are bad. He is good even when sometimes prayers are no. He is good. I'll remember that, that there was a time where I was sitting and having a mediocre Subway sandwich. Very mediocre as all are. And I remember sitting there and it was after a a church service and Morgan and I are sitting there and across from the table is my mom. And in the seasons that it's dark and it's the seasons that it's a no, in the seasons that it's it's a wait, I'll remember sitting across from my mom. And my mom looking at me and and saying, tell me more about Jesus. Tell me more about who he is. I don't understand it. My mom has come through a a life of pain and she's sitting across the table from me and asking me questions, asking Morgan and I questions about him. And my mom became a Christian that day. And later that day, I got to baptize my mom, not as, not as my mom, but as my sister in Christ. And I got to baptize her in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and she now will, sur- she will now live in eternity with Him. And so in the seasons of a no, in the seasons of a waiting, what do I do is I remember that He's still good. I remember that He's still good even when my situation is, sucks. what happens then is is that then our prayers become prayers of of closeness. They become conversations of connection. They become um, opportunities for us to just hold on to Jesus' leg and just say, I don't want you to leave. My life sucks right now, I don't want you to leave. And then no matter what the yes is, we still have Jesus. No matter what the no is, we still have Jesus. No matter what the wait is, no matter how long the wait is, we still have Jesus. And then there's no gates of hell that can stand against that. Because there's nothing that can come at us that we're like, I still got Jesus. My prayer, my hope, my plea with you is so that you get Jesus in your prayer, no matter what else happens. That our prayers would lead us closer and closer and closer to Him, and that what may what may come, we can handle. And I know that there are people in here this morning that, honestly, you're, you're in seasons like this. And it's hard to hear this message. I'm, I can't imagine if I was sitting where you are and I'm just hearing it and I'm in the, and I'm in the season I was six months ago, I, I'd throw my Bible at you. Soft back, but. And so don't hear me up here just ranting and raving and whatever about, oh, it's just so easy. I know it's not. It's the hardest thing in the world. But can I I, I can promise you this is that if you do continue to choose to believe he is good, I believe he's good and I believe that he will be good and I believe that that will come to fruition. And so hear me just cheer you on and say, I know it's hard. I know it's tough. I'm sorry. We love you as a church. I love you as a pastor. I love you as a human. We know it's hard, but don't give up. Don't turn your back on Jesus. Don't turn your back on the one and only one that can satisfy and can save. Maybe someone in here this morning is... You, you hear me talking about this relationship or this connection or this closeness with Jesus and you're just like, that just seems like hogwash. My prayer for you is that the Holy Spirit would speak to you and, and begin to invite you into a relationship with him for the first time. Maybe someone in here is actually feeling inside of them. They're feeling this, this nudging or this, this uh, pressure to say, okay, no, there's more to this. There's more to what, what this guy is saying. And can I encourage you to say that, that that I believe is the Holy Spirit prompting you into a relationship with Jesus for the first time. If that's you this morning, I'm going to pray. And I would encourage you to pray, pray with me. Pray in your own words or use mine. Jesus, we just, we come before you, and we ask that you, Lord, would would forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my past. But, Lord, more than that, Lord, rescue me. Lord, I need you to be my, I need you to be my Savior. I need you to be my God, Lord. Come into my life and rescue me, Lord. I choose you as as King, I cho- I choose you as my God. In Jesus' name. Amen.